the Lord of my life. He's coming from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee is going to bow. Oh, yes, it is. And every tongue is going to confess. Oh, yes, it is. That's what the Bible says. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Make it personal. For he's my Lord. You're my Lord. Oh, you're my Lord. You have risen from the dead. And you're my Lord. You're my Lord, my God, my Savior. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we just want to love you. Jesus, we just want to love you. We want to love you, Lord. From the depth of our heart and our soul and our mind, our strength, we want to love you, Lord Jesus. With an everlasting love, you loved us, O God. And we want to love you, Lord. We want to love you and praise you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful, mighty acts, for your mighty hand and your outstretched arm in our life, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, lift your praises to the Lord. Oh, lift your praises to the Lord. Oh, lift Him higher in one accord. Lift your praises to the chorus again. Oh, lift your praises to the Lord. Lift your praises to the Lord. Lift Him higher in one accord. Lift your praises to the Lord. For He alone is worthy to Oh, Lord. 
your praises to. Oh, lift them up to him tonight. Oh, lift your praises to the Lord. Lift him higher in one accord. Lift your praise. Lift your praises to the church, the fruit of your lips, giving praise unto his name, Lord. You're worthy of my time and my effort. You're worthy of my time and my effort, oh God. You're worthy, Lord Jesus, whether we think so or not. You're still worthy whether we think so or not. You're still worthy, God. You're still worthy, God. You are still worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah. If nobody thinks so, you're still worthy, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. When we first came into this, we heard that name talked about in in the services that we were in. Many of us may have, have been using the name Jesus for an expletive somewhere. But when we, when something happened to us, at an altar, when something happened to us in a body of water, whether it was in a baptismal tank, a lake, a stream, or, or an ocean, something happened when that name of Jesus was called over us in water baptism, and then everything changed from that point on. And that name Jesus became something we would never think of using as an expletive. That name of Jesus. Amen. There's power in that name. There's healing we know some of us know people that the name of Jesus was called over them and something fell off or something happened something changed in their life and Jesus was the only one that had anything to do with it amen we know people that have called out the name of Jesus when they're about to be in a terrible wreck and they tell they testify later i didn't know what else to do but call on the name of Jesus and and praise god i walked away without a scratch And the police and the EMS couldn't figure out how I walked away from this accident without a scratch. Amen. There is power. There's so much power, and the devil doesn't like that name. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he runs and hides at the mention of his name. Hallelujah. So we're going to lift up the name of Jesus tonight. Amen. We're just going to say his name in this chorus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, let it be a love song to him. Jesus, 
There's just something about that name. He is master. He's savior. Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, doesn't it sound so beautiful? Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim that kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's something about that Oh, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Jesus, we love you tonight. You're my master, you're my savior, you're my Jesus. Oh, like a fragrance after the rain. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim that kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about let's sing it again one more time church we wouldn't have made it through 23 without him jesus jesus all the times that you were there in my life jesus let's think about it while we're singing there's just something about he's the peace speaker isn't he he's a peace speaker Oh, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim that kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something 
abound. Let's just love the name of Jesus. Could we just love the name of Jesus? Could we just love the name of Jesus right now? Could we just love the Lord right now? Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we laud and we magnify you in this house tonight. You are our King, our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer. You are the lover of our soul. You are become our salvation. You are our exceeding great reward. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are exalted. You are lifted up in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You're a mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are Alpha and Omega. You are the highest. You are the greatest. There is no one else but you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you in this place tonight. We worship you, Lord Jesus, in this place tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of all glory. You're worthy of all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. We delight ourselves in you. We delight to magnify you. We delight to worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so good to us. And you are so great in your creation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What an awesome God we serve. Worthy of worship. Worthy of all praise. He's worthy, folks. He is worthy. Amen. And we delight to worship Him. We delight to magnify Him. Amen. That's what we were created. We were created to worship. We were created to have fellowship with this God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for entertaining the presence of God. You can be seated. Amen. I want to welcome everybody here to our New Year's Eve service tonight. Happy New Year. A few hours early, but I think we'll be all right. Amen. We got a few things planned here tonight. Uh, We want to go over some some plans we have for 2024. Uh, And they're just that. They're plans. We believe we have the mind of Christ here for 2024. Of course, he's always... uh, he can do whatever he wants. He can intervene at any time. In fact, if he wants to come and take us home, that'd be just fine. I won't consider all this time we spent planning it wasted at all. Amen. <clears throat> he could do what he wants. But should he tarry, we have a plan for 2024, and we're going to go over some of those things tonight. Amen. Uh, we will, uh, at the end of our service, we will have a communion service. Amen. This will actually be the first communion service I've had here. Amen. Had one last year, but I was sick. Oh, that's right. Dad was sick. Yeah, I know I was gone. Well, Bishop stepped in again at the last minute and did an awesome job there. Amen. Praise God. Like he does. <clears throat> first thing we're going to do is we're going to promote some uh, some things, some activities that we want to uh, initiate, start in 2024. Uh, first up is going to be our bread program, which isn't new. Uh, we, we did that last year, and those that participated, thank you for doing that. Amen. What a blessing it is to not only have the Word of God, but to be able to read it, to understand it, to hide it in our hearts, to meditate upon it. 
We're going to be talking a lot about the Word of God tonight. It's so important that we know truth, that we know the Scriptures. What thus saith the Lord? Someone, some fool could get up here and say anything they wanted. And if we don't know what the Scriptures say, who knows? Yeah, sounds good. But when you know what the, what the Bible says, deception is impossible, folks. You cannot be deceived when you know what the Scriptures say. Amen. And we, we cannot allow ourselves to be deceived, to fall into deception of any kind. Amen. So the bread program goes a long way toward that, knowing the Word of God. Sister Shepherd is going to come right now, and she is going to present the bread program. She's the one that, that headed it up last year. It's a, it's a passion of hers. It's a burden. Amen. She does a fantastic job with it. She's going to come share her burden for 2024. Yes, I do love the program. This year, um, our theme for the 2024 bread program is the Word of God is Powerful. And um, the verse for this year is Hebrews 4.12, which reads, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So last year I did give my testimony about the bread program. Um, for you, that, those of you that are not familiar with the bread program, bread stands for um, Bible Reading and Riches Any Day. Uh, the program basically is designed to give you a reading every day um, to um, basically get you through the Bible through the year. So, um, when I first learned about this, um, I thought it was amazing that I could never possibly do it. However, that all changed once I changed. In January 2017, I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, And that is also the year that I read through my Bible for the first time. Fast forward now to December 2023. I have now read the Bible through seven times. Yes. So why do I do it? I want to share a story first. Um, This was an article published by Robert L. Sumner titled The Wonderful, or Wonder, excuse me, Word of God. It was a public evangelism press in 1969. It reads as this. Many years ago, a man in Kansas City lost both his hands in an explosion. Having come to faith in the Lord only shortly before this event, the man regretted he could no longer hold a Bible. Not only had he lost his hands, but he also lost his eyesight. Reading his Bible was no longer an option. Then he heard about a woman in a similar condition who had learned to read Braille with her lips. After obtaining a Braille Bible, the man was disappointed to learn that his lips had also left to be too numb for him to distinct the raised letters. However, in his attempt to feel the letters with his lips, his tongue brushed the page and made him aware that this could be an option, his only option for reading God's word. 
That injured man read through his Braille Bible four times using his tongue. Also, he read many passages over and over again. God's word is life. Just as we consume food to live, we just cannot live on food alone. We need to digest God's every word. Jesus reminded the devil that mankind cannot live on natural food alone. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, as written in Luke 4.4. Those who do not feast on God's word do not really live. Jesus used the written word to show that we need the written word. Too often people face temptation and have no planned defense because they do not know God's holy word. God wants us to live, to really live. We do so every by every word of God. This is why I read through the Bible every year, and I will continue to do so. It's not to check off a box on a reading chart. I want to live in God's word. So if you'd like to join me this year, there is a sign-up I put on the back. Um, if you'd like to sign up again for this year's bread reading, you will get encouragements from me throughout the year. And I have a nice little incentive for next year. If you do complete your reading, we will have a little dinner reward for you. So hope you enjoy me. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Shepherd. <clears throat> it's important. It's important to read through the, the, the Word of God. It's important to hide it in our hearts. It's important to know it, to receive it, to take possession and ownership of it, to do it. Amen. So important to know God's Word. Another initiative uh, that's not new, but we're going to really promote this year, is uh, Each One Reach One. Now, again, uh, you have all heard of this. We've, we've presented it here before. But we're really going to promote it this year, and uh, we're going to go so far as to offer training, uh, support, those kinds of activities, uh, so that we can better prepare ourselves to do exactly this. Now, um, I'm going to get on the right one here. There we go. This is the best overall program for long-term growth, and here's why. Long-term growth is... One, bringing people in. Two, not letting people leave. That, that equals growth. And we're not talking about numerical, just simply numerical growth. We also want to see spiritual growth in those that are here. I mean, we could run promos and, and get a bunch of bodies in here and take pictures and slap it on Facebook and let everyone know how awesome we're doing here in lacrosse. But then next week, they're all gone. That doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. We need long-term growth because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We do know that we're in the end times. I think we all realize that. But, on the other hand, does that mean he's coming back tonight? Next month? Next year? We don't know the day or the hour, folks. And so, we live as if he's coming back now. But we've got to plan and be ready for... He's not coming back in my lifetime. 
We've got to make sure each of us are responsible to ensure the work of God in the cross outlives us. We're all responsible for that. There's a uh, kind of an analogy that I think is very powerful. Someone comes up to you and asks you, would you rather have a million dollars or a penny doubled a day for 30 days? Now, if you don't think about it, most people would take the million dollars. But if you do the math, well, let's do the math. I did some of it. At day seven, if you take the penny doubled every day, at day seven you have 64 cents. Not very good so far. Day 15, we're halfway through. You got 163 bucks and some change. At day 24, you only got $83,886. Quite a bit, but definitely not a million. But at day 30, you got five, almost $5.5 million. If we go another day, 31 days, you'd have well over $10 million. But that process doesn't kick in until the very end. Up until then, it's a slog, and it doesn't look like anything's happening. If the Lord would use us to win just one person a year, each of us, to win one person a year, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. But folks, it's huge. And like I explained earlier, you know, one person may not be a whole lot when you look at the entire world. But I'll bet it means a whole lot to that one person. I've been that one person. It means a lot to me that someone reached out to me. I'm thankful. I will be eternally thankful for that. So you can see the long-term benefits, even though the short-term results are not very impressive. This is better for us because it's also a lot more sustainable. It's sustainable, folks. We can do this till Jesus comes. All I gotta, all, all I gotta fixate on is one person, one person. That's it. Everybody can do one person. Everybody can minister to one person. Even I can. Raging introvert. I can minister to one person a year. I told you the story about the man on the beach with the starfish. He's trying to throw starfish in, into the, back into the ocean. There are thousands of them all over the beach. Dude comes up and says, "You can't save all these starfish." Yeah, but I can save this one. I can save this one. We can do everything that we can do, folks. You cannot save the whole world. You can't save anyone. Jesus saves. But you're, you're probably not going to be used to reach the entire world. But you most certainly will be used to reach someone. One person. So before we go any farther, we're just going to have a little bit of time of prayer. And we're going to ask the Lord to lay one person on our hearts. If he hasn't already. Just one person. And we're going to minister to that one person. And we're going to pray and we're going to fast for that one person. And we're going to build a relationship with that one person. We're going to do everything that we know to do. Everything in our power. Everything the Lord will allow us. Open doors of opportunity for it. To reach this person. Amen.
and we're going to go we're going to go forward understanding that at the end of the day it's Jesus that saves it's Jesus that will open the doors it will it's it's going to be Jesus that gives you the uh, the ability to minister to the needs this person is going through let him speak through you let him minister to them through you amen at the end of the day this is between them and God God will use you to make that introduction happen but let's pray that god will lay one person on our hearts amen lord jesus we worship you we thank you for your presence in this house thus far i pray lord in jesus name that moving forward in 2024 you have so many things that you're desiring to do so many things that you want to do in us and through us we're praying lord jesus that you lay one person on our hearts just one person it may be someone that we're very close to. It may be someone that we're, we're already praying for and working, work, working on. It may be someone else entirely that we haven't really even thought of. But, Lord, lay one person on our hearts, that one person that you're desiring us to go and, and minister unto. And when, when we receive that name of you, burn it into our hearts, thou most high God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to get a burden and a passion and a zeal for that individual to pray and to fast for them, to intercede for them, to minister to them, whatever the need may be. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use us mightily in this process to lead them to you, to lead them to a place of repentance unto salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Use us, I pray, in this task. These things we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. And that's an excellent segue into the Home Bible Study Program, which we will also be promoting. Uh, Brother Henthorne, the District NAM Director, has some excellent, excellent training materials available for Home Bible Study training. And we are going to avail ourselves of them here. Uh, we have videos. We have different, different things that we can use to help train those that are willing. We're not going to train everybody. Uh, Well, I wish it were true that every single person here would be interested in teaching a Bible study, and I'm going to continue to pray for that. But if that's not the case, then you're not interested in training, and I'm not interested in spending the time trying to train you when you're not interested. Is that fair? But if you are interested, I want to bend over backwards for you. If you are interested, I want to do everything I can to put the materials and the training in your hands necessary to go out and teach home Bible studies. Experience and talent are not required, folks. I know you think that. I know you think you've got to have a Ph.D. in Bible theology to, so you can field all the questions that you're going to get. I thought the same thing. Turns out there are just not that many questions that people have. They're all very similar, mostly. You'll get a left field every now and again, but... But for the most part, they're, they're very similar. All, all we need, folks, is desire, availability. That's all we need. We can give you the rest. Home Bible studies have a proven track record of effectiveness. In our organization, they've been used to build churches. They've been used to open up new works. They've been used to, to win families and cities. 
They have an excellent track record. Second Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. This is how a lot of us can preach the word of truth. is by sitting down with someone and giving them a home Bible study. Acts 28, 30 and 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. I know that was the Apostle Paul, but that's for all of us, folks. That's for each and every one of us. We can teach the word of truth to those around us. We are expected to. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Maybe you've heard this before. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That most certainly is to his church. That most certainly is to each and every one of us. Amen. It is expected of a child of God that we do something. Is that fair? It is expected that we do something with the gift that he has given us. We are not to sit on a pew. We are not to sit at home. We are not to... Just enjoy the presence of God until Jesus comes and takes us. Sorry, not sorry. We are expected to do something with the gift he's given us. And I know, again, and I acknowledge that a lot of people here have done mighty things in Jesus' name in times past. I, I understand that. I'm so thankful for that. And I do it, and I will continue to acknowledge that. But again... Respectfully speaking, that was yesterday. This is today, folks. I'm thankful for everything God did for me in the past. I worship Him for that. I praise Him for that. That builds my faith for the present, for the future. That's where we're supposed to be living, folks. Whatever happened in the past is done. It's written with a pen of iron. It cannot be changed, good, bad, or indifferent. It's past. We thank, we're thankful for the past. I worship God for the past. But God is wanting us to move into the present, into the future, and see even greater things happen. Greater things are yet to come, folks. We haven't seen the tip of the iceberg yet. And I'm going to keep saying that until people start believing me. Because it's absolutely true. These end times, Jesus is going to just explode on the scene. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out on cities. Not just churches, but cities. He's going to save multitudes of people. The other side of the equation is going to be there too. We're going to pay for it. But it's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen, and I want to be right in the middle of it. We're going to have Bible studies of all available shapes and sizes. In other words, varying lengths. We're going to have one-day Bible studies, one-hour Bible studies. We'll have the 12-week Bible studies, everything in between that we can get a hold of. Whatever it is you have need of, we want to have it available to you so that you can use it if you're willing to use it. If you're willing to use it, if you will commit to use them, we want to have them available for you. All right, now we're going to pray again. That God would give us courage 
if that's what's necessary for us to get out there. Desire, if we need that. The ability to commit, if that's what's missing. Whatever it is that we have need of tonight, we want to pray that God would provide those things to us. In Jesus, we can be courageous. In Jesus, we can commit to these things. In Jesus, we can do all things. Amen. So whatever is hindering us from accomplishing the will of God in our lives, we want to pray that out tonight. And we want to continue to pray as we move into 2024 that these things would be removed out of our lives. If these are the end times, folks, if you believe that, then you know we don't have a lot of time left. And all I'm saying is I want to leave everything on the field when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, I don't want to see him. I don't want him to see me resting on my laurels. I don't want to I don't want him to see me thanking him for everything he did for me 10 years ago. I want him to see me busy in the field today. I want him to see me producing fruit today. That's what I want him to see. And I think you do too. I believe that you guys do too. And so we want to pray that we bind together as one body and we push forward. We push through these things that have been hindering us. We push forward through these things that have bound us and and convinced us that this isn't for us because it is for us. The word of God is for us. The word of God is for them. They need it too. So let's pray, folks. Lord Jesus, we worship you again. And we're asking, thou most high God, that you put something in my heart. That you put a fervency, Lord, a passion, a zeal. Help me to commit to working in the kingdom of God. Help me, Lord Jesus, with the talents and the gifts and the abilities that you've given unto me. Help me to use them for the glory of God. Help me to use them to advance the kingdom of God. Help me to use them, I pray, to minister to the needs of those around me. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would begin to use me, that you would begin to use this body mightily and wondrously as we give ourselves wholly and completely to you, withholding nothing from the, the, the Spirit of God, withholding nothing from you, moving forward in your will, your purpose, your plan for this city, for our lives, for this body, for our families. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would work wondrously and gloriously in us and through us, when we commit ourselves to do these things that you desire us to do, when we commit ourselves, our time, our resources, our talents to do the work of God, I pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon us for good, that you would continue to confirm your word through us with signs following. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be used so mightily in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities you've given us. I, I am so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Moving on to small groups. Now, it is my understanding that uh, small groups have, have been a part of this congregation at some time in the past. And I have been fairly hesitant I've heard a lot of people do great things with small groups, but I've also heard a lot of horror stories uh, concerning small groups. And so I have been more than a little hesitant uh, to consider these things. But uh, after praying, continuing to pray, uh, 
I, I, fe- I really feel like this is the way that, that we should go. We are, we are going to institute some small groups, based, and we can base them on several things, location, stages in life, interests, or hobbies. Uh, a good friend of mine, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's working in Boston right now. He is instituting these different small groups based on hobbies, uh, knitting. For the men, there's, there's a hiking group. Are you volunteering for knitting? Brother McGuinness? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we have a hiking, they, they have a hiking group, and they're having phenomenal success with it. Uh, they go hiking, and, and during the hike, they have a devotion. And it, it, a lot of people come uh, that haven't set foot in their church yet, but that's one of the reasons we want to do this. It's so that we can start establishing relationships with people who are not within the church yet. The purpose of small groups is to create a safe space for people to come to. There are a lot of people, for whatever reason, uh, are a little bit leery or nervous about entering a church building. They don't ever have to enter the church building. They're going to come to your place. They're going to come to a a neutral area. They're going to have a good time with like-minded people, and they're they're going to get the word of the Lord. They're going to get Christian fellowship. Amen. Create an environment where people feel safe to share things. They're going to be small groups, small enough where there can be a bit of intimacy there. The small group leader will encourage discussion will encourage sharing things, asking questions. And that builds camaraderie, that builds relationship, that builds trust. And trust is a commodity, folks, that is in very short supply today, especially within the church. If we did a poll of of random people out there, how well do you trust people in the church? How well do you trust a pastor? How well do you trust ministers? You might be surprised. I don't think it would be a very good result. I really don't. But this builds trust. It creates a place where unchurched people can develop relationships with those in the body of Christ. Lessons and devotions will be largely the same, but they'll certainly be tailored to the individual group. Lord willing, we'll, be, we'll have these implemented uh, second quarter of next year, 2024. And if you have any input on small group implementation, uh, as with all things, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. <clears throat> now, if your, if your input is, we tried it once and it didn't work, that's fair, but I'll probably have some questions for you. How was it implemented? When was it implemented? What do you feel went wrong? How could we do better? If you got answers to those kinds of questions, then come at me, bruh. Serious. Because I do want to hear from you. I want this to work. I want it to work. I think it will. I think, I think, this is, I think we're following the will of God here. All right. Small groups. The thing I'm most excited about, though, is a program called Reboot Recovery. Now, Bishop introduced this to me, I think it was about 75 years ago or so, it feels like. Um, 
It was a little while ago, a couple years ago. And I, I didn't really feel like it was the right time at that point. But I went ahead and I, I looked at it, and, and I, I've went through the, the leader training material. I've done all that stuff, uh, getting ready, because it's an awesome program. And I wanted to do it. And I, I just wanted to be ready for when I felt like we could do it. And I feel like uh, we got the green light now in Jesus' name, and so it's going to be full steam ahead with that. Uh, we want to implement that in 2024. Uh, we're going to present a video, uh, if, if you're ready, Sister DeMuth. Okay. We're going to present a, kind of a promo video on this, uh, kind of explaining a little bit what it is, what it does. Amen. Uh, go ahead and hit the lights. Reboot is a place where everybody gets it. It's a safe place. It's a place where you can share with God's help. We're having weird technical difficulties with the videos. The workaround is a little bit tricky. Reboot is a place where everybody gets it. It's a safe, it's place. A safe place. place. It's a place where you can share with God's help. It's a place where healing can start. So we could start with, so we could start with how did, did Reboot find you? I actually, I actually was going, going more to be a help for the class. For the class. And, and, and honestly, I thought I was further down on my journey when healing was than I was. It was, it was, it was kind of a terrifying, kind of a terrifying thing, for thing for me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to come with, to begin with. Like, I, I've, like always, I, I've always kind of tried to shift the program that was like, well, you know, you know. There's nothing for me. Sometimes they're hard, 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 sometimes they're Painful stories. Painful stories. Wow, they wow, they 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 completely completely you know opened you up know, opened up and, and let me hear let me pain. hear their pain. But I like it. I like it. It's nice opening up. People have the same have the same kind of problems. You're not alone. You're not alone. I I see a lot of material so effective in opening the door for healing of trauma of trauma and bringing bringing resolve and. Realizing you realize get to choose, you get to a, choose a new chapter in your life. You don't have to keep reliving, keep reliving what happened to, what happened to you. you. And you don't have to let it keep, to let it keep stealing your joys and your peace in your life. He's definitely showed He's me definitely that showed me that because this is a faith based study. It's not study. It's not everything that it shows that it does it does work. It's coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and back into that and it starts and it starts to heal process and it shows you three things in the three things read what we can read what you're gonna warriors in the Bible they show that they had. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. So help me realize we realize that there's people out there's people out there that deal with deal with and 
maybe I'm maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not the only maybe I'm not the only one. So, so it helped me. It helped me in a way. I didn't realize I, I didn't realize help. I needed help. I recommend. I recommend. It feels like a, it feels like a good night's sleep. I don't. I don't. I. I. I haven't slept in thirty years. Thirty years. And I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping again. Really well. Really well. We don't take. We don't take any credit for the healing. We say we come alongside alongside the person, and God does. God does. The Father knows better. The Father knows better. And wants to heal. To heal that place. That place that needs to be healed. So you can go forward. Go forward and be more free. Be more free. As hard as you as hard as you think it's going to be, you're right. It really is. It really is very difficult. But it's also very, it's also very rewarding. I'm walking away. I'm walking away from this. Like, okay, now I know. now I know how to, in a healthy way, in a healthy way, deal with things. Deal with things. Trying to just trying to drown them away, drown them away, or whatever, whatever. Like, you know, pray them away. Really do have to really do have to deal with it to start to overcome. start to overcome. So as hard as so it is, as hard as it is, you really do need to really take, really take that first step and at least give it a chance. At least give it a chance. If you're on the, if you're on the fence post, lean this way, lean this way. It will be a, will be a huge, huge win, huge win. You owe yourself, you owe a, chance. yourself a chance, a healing, a healing by force you, force you, and nothing will ever pain, except your pain. Despite that it looked like a 70s kung fu movie uh, through no fault of Sister DeMuth, it's a powerful program, folks, and it it has a proven track record. It is extremely effective. the statistics they came out with in 2022, end of 2022, uh, 95% of those that graduated uh, would recommend Reboot. 95%. 80% want to stay involved with Reboot after graduation in some form or, or other. I mean, it's it's an amazing uh, an amazing program, and it's effective because it hits what's actually going on. They're not, they're not trying to uh, prescribe. Uh, psychomedication. They're not trying to uh, go through psychotherapy or anything like that. Uh, they're hitting the, the matter at the root cause, spiritual matters, spiritual concerns. And like the guy said, they're using spiritual tools to do it. They're letting God come into the situation and heal. There are so many people, folks. If you, if you look at programs that are uh, – secular programs or any programs that, that are geared toward this demographic, you can't get into them. I mean, there's waiting lines a mile long, people trying to get help for these situations. And it is such an, it, it's a, it's an open door for us to get into our community and minister to the needs of those out there. Um, and this is a huge need. People are hurting. People have been through all kinds of situations, and they have no idea how to handle them, how to, how to deal with them. They, they struggle, they drink, they, they do drugs, uh, they do whatever it is people do, because they don't know where to find real help. We do, and we want to make that available to them. Uh, there are going to be a lot of ministry opportunities available to us, 
later on, of course, if you're interested in, in hosting a session, we can certainly talk about that. Um, there are several programs available. We're going to go through kind of a general program to start with, uh, a general trauma, but they also have uh, programs geared toward first responders. They have programs geared, geared toward uh, combat veterans who have, who have been through horrific situations in war. Um, and we certainly plan on branching out uh, as soon as we can. Certainly in uh, Fort McCoy, the VA, uh, in Toma, there's a lot of opportunity, folks, to minister to needs. Our first class is going to begin in the late spring, uh, giving ourselves a little flexibility there, depending on a few factors. But uh, in the late spring, there's going to be a lot more out on this as we approach, as we move forward. Uh, so be ready for that. Uh, the ministry opportunities, uh, other than teaching, there's, uh, we're going to need hosts. We're going to need people to just mingle. Uh, speak with people before the before the actual class begins. Uh, we're going to try. I hope if we have enough uh, people, if we have enough volunteers, we'd like to serve food during these things. Uh, it's a, it's a it's an awesome way to break the ice to help people feel comfortable and to to get people to start opening up to this process. Amen. So a lot of opportunities available to us uh, if you're willing. Again, uh, I'm going to continue to pray. For this program, the, the effectiveness of it, I'm going to pray for this church that that uh, we get a lot of people that step up and, and, and want to help, want to help minister to the needs of those that God is going to lead to us. Amen. All right. I have a message prepared for tonight, and then after that, we are going to have our communion service. Amen. Our scripture text is going to be found in Romans 3 and 4. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4 says this, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Amen. And I've entitled this, Sola Scriptura. Or the scriptures alone. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. As happens every year, we're at December 31st, the end of the year. It seems like just a few weeks ago, it was January 2023. Every year, this happens sooner and sooner and sooner. And when we get to the end of the year, I know I do this. I start looking back. I start kind of reviewing a little bit what happened, what didn't happen, successes, failures, uh, things I wish could have happened, things I wish didn't happen, all, all kinds of stuff. And we can choose to focus on anything we want. Some will choose to focus on the negative. Now there's positives and negatives of this approach. Looking back on 2023, I could choose to focus on the areas that I failed in, how I hurt someone, how many bad things happened to me, how I didn't, how I couldn't, how I wouldn't. I could focus on all these things. Now, I think there is some benefit, some utility 
in reviewing. That's, what's, that's what a debrief is. How could I have done better? How could, how could we have fixed this? When it, when, it stays, when it stays there, it's good. It's good to do that. It's good to go through a debrief if something completely blew up. Okay, what happened? Why did it happen? What could we do better? Is this fixable or should we just chuck the whole thing? Those are valid questions. But if I start personalizing it, if it's no longer an event but me that's a failure, that's where it starts to become detrimental. I can't do that. The saying, failure is an event, not a person, is very true. I could choose to focus on the positives, how I succeeded, how I experienced victory, how I was able to help people, how many wonderful things happened, how I became, how I did. Now there's positives and negatives of this approach as well. Focusing on the successes, giving God the glory and the credit for it is an awesome thing. Because he ought to get all the glory for that. I'm of a mind that if I succeed, it's because of God. If I failed, it's because I I went astray somewhere. I got off the chosen path. Or the Lord's leading me into something. I need to learn something. Can you imagine, as an aside, can you imagine having to deal with someone that has never failed? Who always succeeds? Everything they touch turns to gold. Can you imagine having to deal with someone like that? I would not want to. That individual, I I imagine, would have zero empathy for you. I just can't seem to get the. I have no idea why. Try harder. It works for me. It always works for me. Try harder. Do better. I would hate to deal with that individual, the individual that has never failed. All of us in this room tonight failed in 2023 at something. We failed at something. You know why? Two reasons. One, you're a human being. And two, you were trying to do something. You want to stop failing at stuff? Stop doing anything. You'll never fail again. I mean, if that's the plan, if that's the goal, just don't do anything ever again, and you'll never fail. Of course, you'll never succeed either. You'll just exist. Yeah. There are truths that we find in the Word of God, and... Instead of looking on 2023 in light of our experiences, I would rather frame 2023 based on what I find in Scripture, based on what I find in the Word of God. Frame everything from that basis. There is a doctrine held by most but, all, most but not all Protestant denominations called Sola Scriptura. There's five of these solas. This is one of them. Uh, the Scriptures alone. It states basically that the Bible is the sole and infallible source of authority for Christian living and practice. 
Wikipedia, one of my favorite sources of information, says this. While the scripture's meaning is meditated, I'm sorry, mediated through many kinds of subordinate authorities, such as the ordinary teaching offices of a church, uh, the creeds, uh, councils, even personal special revelation, Sola Scriptura, in contrast, rejects any infallible authority other than the Bible. In this view, all non-scriptural authority is derived from the authority of the scriptures or is independent of the scriptures and is therefore subject to reform when compared to the teaching of the Bible. That kind of sounds like the way I think about it. I think I'm on board. John MacArthur, I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, I agree with this quote. The Reformation principle of sola scriptura has to do with the sufficiency of scripture as our supreme authority in all spiritual matters. Sola scriptura simply means that all truth necessary for our salvation and spiritual life is taught either explicitly or implicitly in scripture. It is not a claim that all truth of every kind is found in Scripture. I would asterisk that, and I'll explain that in a moment. The most ardent defender of sola scriptura will concede, for example, that Scripture has little or nothing to say about DNA structures, microbiology, the rules of Chinese grammar, or rocket science. I would add, though, that there are uh, implicit principles found in Scripture that help us to define and bound these things. For example, no. I don't see any scriptures about how the DNA molecule is, is built, uh, the language of it. But I do find that God created it, that he spoke that into Well, actually, he formed it from the dust of the ground in man. I see that in scripture. And from that basis, I can arrive at uh, more and more specific truth. But I've got to start in the right place, folks. I can't start that I have monkey DNA in my body. If I start there, I'm already wrong. Okay, continuing. This or that scientific truth, for example, may or may not be actually true, whether or not it can be supported by Scripture, but Scripture is a more sure word, standing above all other truth in its authority and certainty. It is more sure, according to the Apostle Peter, than the data we gather firsthand through our senses, 2 Peter 1.19. Therefore, Scripture is the highest and supreme authority on any matter on which it speaks. Unquote. And that's kind of what I want to focus on. When the Bible speaks on any matter, it is the supreme authority on that matter, period. Period. End of story. I don't care what anyone or anything else says. The Bible is true and every man a liar. And if it isn't, then folks, we're wasting our time. Colossians 2 and 3 says, In whom are hid, speaking of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Going back to the DNA molecule. Is that hid in Christ too? According to this scripture, yes. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all of it, is found in Christ. Either explicitly or implicitly. Amen. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 says this, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
This isn't the word of man, folks. This is the very word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's the very word of God. It's God's word to us. That means it has supreme authority. And nothing can be allowed to supersede it. Nothing can be allowed to add unto or take therefrom. Nothing. It is sufficient unto itself. There's a book called The Great Controversy. I don't generally agree with the doctrines of the organization that wrote this book. But I agree with this specific statement. God will have a people upon the earth to maintain the Bible and the Bible only as the standard for all doctrines and the basis for all reforms. The opinions of learned men, the deductions of science, none of these things should be regarded as evidence for or against any case. Before accepting any doctrine or precept, we should demand a plain, thus saith the Lord in its support. Amen. Satan is constantly endeavoring to attract attention to man in place of God. He leads the people to look to bishops, to pastors, and to professors, and I would add, to scientists, as their guides instead of searching the scriptures to learn their duty for themselves. Now, we understand that uh, certain individuals have been given to us to expound on scriptures, to teach, to preach, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, folks, I don't have any authority other than to preach the word of God. That's it. I don't have the authority to tell you what my opinion is on things. I might, but you'll take it as that. My opinion. That has no weight at all. No more than yours does. But when I preach the word of truth, that's something else entirely. Then I preach with the full weight and authority of God's word. And so do you. When you're teaching a Bible study, when you're witnessing to someone, when you're preaching the gospel. You preach and you teach with the full weight and authority of God's word. As long as we stay in God's word. God's word is truth. God's word alone is truth. And folks, truth divides. Matthew 10, 34 through 39 states this. This is Jesus speaking. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Moving right into John chapter 6, we see Jesus speaking truth to the multitudes. And what was their reaction? They increasingly began to murmur and strive against the word that Jesus spake unto them. In John 6.66, we see the results. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus spoke the truth to them, knowing full well what would happen. 
this truth caused the church split. His truth drove a wedge between him and those that were following him. It doesn't matter. It's still the truth. However people receive the truth, that's between them and God. Now, we don't preach arrogantly. We don't shove the word of God down their throats. We speak the truth in love. But we speak the truth. Sometimes, folks, and I think more and more as the day approaches, it's going to take courage to speak the word of truth. The Bible speaks to this, though. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They're blind to truth. They walk in darkness, folks. That's why they need the light, the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This word of truth is light. It's spiritual light in a pitch black world. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12 through states this, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What's being stated is this. If you adhere to Scripture, if you submit to the absolute authority of the Word of God, you're good. You will know truth, and the truth will set you free. But if you don't, if you have a higher authority than the Word of God, you will end up being deluded. Who are we allowing to define our reality? Is our reality defined through Scripture? Or through the news outlets? Or through the scientists? The world? The politicians? Who defines our authority? A lot of people will interpret Scripture based on what they know. That happens a lot in Genesis chapter 1. Well, we know the earth is billions of years old, and we know that the Big Bang happened, and so this must mean that. Who's the ultimate authority there? The Word of God? Or the scientist? I submit that there are many Christians who say that they believe in the absolute authority of Scripture, but do not. And I don't want that to be true here, folks. I want it true in this congregation in La Crosse that the Word of God is absolutely the foundational truth for all things. 
It is the highest authority that we have, period. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Why do we believe what we do? Have we proved every single thing that we claim to know? No. We haven't. I haven't. If you have, you've got a lot more time on your hands than I do. There are some things that I've simply accepted. Well, he's an expert. Sounds right. Sounds reasonable. All right. Now, those things that I that mean a lot to me, those things that are very important to me, I've I've proved those things. But if it just doesn't mean a whole lot, <clears throat> you can tell me that Big Mac down at uh, off of OT is they're selling for ninety nine cents. I'd be like, okay, cool. I wouldn't buy it for a nickel. I don't like them. I don't like McDonald's. Gives me gut rot. I I want nothing to do with that place. So, I mean, I'll take your word for it. I'm not going to verify it. I don't care. But those things that are important to me, I am going to verify. I am going to prove those things, true or false. Isaiah 8 and 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. We need to acknowledge that the word of God is absolutely true from cover to cover. We need to acknowledge that it is our highest authority in all things. Because the alternative is that it is not true from cover to cover, and we're wasting our time. Or it is not my highest authority, and I interpret Scripture based on some higher authority. Then I need to be go worshiping that. And not worry about Scripture. There are some troubling statistics that I was able to uncover. In a Psychology Today article, this is an older article. I wasn't able to find the the date it was published, but it says this, though. In 1976, 38% of Americans believed that the Bible was the actual word of God to be taken literally. At the time this article was published, uh, that number was down to 24%. Only 13% of Americans saw the Bible as a book of fables and legends recorded by men in 1976. But at the time of this article's publication, it had risen to 26%. That the Bible is a book of fables and legends recorded by men. In the middle are 47% of Americans who currently view the Bible as the, quote, inspired word of God not to be taken literally, unquote. That means at the time of this article's publication, 73% of Americans believe that we should not take God's word literally. In the early 1900s, 9 out of 10 people believed that the Bible should be taken literally. 
Some of you have heard of a man by the name of Michael Knowles. He's on uh, the Daily Wire, if you've ever seen anything from them. In April 7, 2019, he publishes this. The number of Americans who have no religion has increased 266% over the past three decades, becoming the nation's dominant religion. This number edges out Catholics and evangelicals as the nation's dominant faith. Mainline Protestant churches suffered the greatest loss, declining 62.5% since 1982. If we go back to the 1960s, the number of people throwing out the Bible and religion has increased approximately 800%. Now, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but what in the world are we doing, folks? Whatever it is, it's not working. It's not working. Something's got to, we got to be doing something different here. And this is, this is a debrief. I'm looking at the numbers here, and I'm thinking that this isn't working, folks. Maybe we should try to do something different. There are so many churches. There are so many Christians within those churches who will not accept that the word of God needs to be taken literally. It is absolutely true from cover to cover. Now, you know what I mean when I say taken literally. The book of Revelation, some, some uh, poetic stuff in there. Unless it's obvious from the context that it should not be taken literally. It needs to be taken literally. But people want to allegorize everything. People want to reinterpret Scripture based on science. And I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe. That's the main strategy of the enemy today. This is the main reason these statistics are the way they are. Because science has proven the Bible wrong. And I got the articles to back it up. I am so sick and tired of reading statistics like these. I am so tired of having truth and being shot down by people who are supposed to be my brother and sister because they don't believe Scripture should be taken literally. Do you know there are Christians out there that will say stuff like this? Well, imagine. Imagine how someone in the Bronze Age and in the Iron Age would view the universe. Think of how they would view these things. They wouldn't have any knowledge of what we have today. That's why they wrote the way they did. They just wrote what they thought they knew. Is that that right? Did they just write what they thought they knew? Poor God, he didn't have a clue. Till we figured it out. That's what they're telling me. I used to think that was kind of funny. But it's not funny anymore. I despise stuff like that. I hate it. Because that's not them. That's, that's the enemy speaking through them. 
they've received strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Well, I'm not receiving it, folks. I don't believe you are either. We believe in Scripture. Sola Scriptura. The Scriptures alone. That's where we stand, folks. That's where we're going to continue to stand. You want to reinterpret Scripture based on some new scientific discovery? You go right ahead. But don't come talk to me about it. Because I promise you, I'll shoot you down. And I won't be nice about it. Don't bring that garbage in here. The Word of God is life. The Word of God is truth. People want to water it down and and add stuff to it. Mm -mm. No, sir, no, ma'am, no, how. No, I'll have none of it. In conclusion, the Scriptures alone can tell me how I ought to live my life. The Scriptures alone have the authority to give me sound doctrine. The Scriptures alone allow me to build my life upon a solid and immovable foundation when I both hear it and obey it. Satan, the world, those that hate God will try to convince you that this sure word is not worthy to be your ultimate authority. They'll use any tactic they can find. That it's translated incorrectly. It's not. That it contains contradictions. It doesn't. That it contains errors. Nope. That it states things about creation that science has proven false. Not a chance. The same being that wrote this book spoke everything into existence. They agree perfectly. They agree perfectly, folks. They want you to give your allegiance to something other than God. And as a people, and as a church body, nationwide, maybe worldwide, we have allowed ourselves to be distracted by many things. Politics. The culture wars. COVID-19. The economy. Tertiary issues such as abortion, gay rights, saving our 501c3 church status. Now, some of these things are important. Abortion, gay rights, those, there are a lot of important issues out there. But they're secondary, folks, to what really matters. There's a reason people believe in abortion. There's a reason Christians support abortion, quote, unquote. It's because they don't know the word of God. That's why. So all I'm saying is, let's get back to the book. Let's stay in the book. Let's derive our truths, our doctrine, from the book. Let's submit our lives to the Word of God. Let's look to God's Word for doctrine, for truth, for direction, the right path, salvation, holiness, perfection, completeness. We find all those things and so much more in the Word of God. We don't need to be looking out there for anything. I study philosophy, but I don't need philosophy to be saved. I study philosophy to to try to argue against all that junk. What I need is found in the Word of God only. I don't need to know all the, the astronomical, cosmological stuff. Who knows if it's true or not? I know what is true. 
The Word of God is true. And when the Word of God speaks to something about cosmology or biology or history or any other thing, it's my ultimate authority. I don't have to go looking anywhere else. I don't have to be searching anything else. I got the answer. God gave me an answer. And he gave it to me from his word. I need to stay in the book. Now, is it wrong to be looking at all? I don't think it's wrong. I think it's interesting, searching out God's creation. I love doing it because it points me to the creator. But again, folks, I'm starting in the right spot. You've got to start in the right spot. You've got to start with the word of God. You've got to start with Jesus Christ and move out from there. If you're going to do it at all, do it from the right spot. But at the end of the day, folks, it's the word of God that saves. It's the word of God that delivers. It's the word of God that has power and authority in my life. That's it. That's what I need. That's what they need. They don't need a treatise on on the chemical pathways of human sight. As interesting and as fascinating as it is, most of them aren't going to care. They're in pain. They're living in fear, doubt. They're addicted to stuff. They're in bondage. They have no idea where to turn or, or, or what to do. They don't need any of that stuff. They need the Word of God. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. They need deliverance. They need salvation. That's what they need. And that's only found in God's Word. Amen. Sola Scriptura. In 2024, we are going to be tempted. I didn't say we're going to, but some of us are going to be tempted to hold our tongue, to hold back speaking truth to someone because of fear. Fear of what it might do. Fear of how they may react. Now again, don't yell and scream at them. Don't damn them to hell. Love them. Minister to them. But speak truth, folks. They need the truth. They don't need to be coddled. They don't need to, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be just fine. When everything's not going to be fine. If they don't change, things are not going to be fine. They need the truth. They need the truth and love, but they need the truth. Speak truth. Speak the word of God. Speak it with power. Speak it with authority. Speak it with boldness. Speak it with love. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Jesus, moving into 2024, I pray, O God, that you would give us a holy boldness, that you would give us a fearlessness to preach and to teach your word, the word of God, the word of truth, that we wouldn't dilute it for any reason, we wouldn't supersede it with some scientific discovery, some politician's law, uh, what our family or friends believe, what everyone else believes. Let God be true and every man a liar. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would instill this in our hearts and in our minds, a love for the Word of God, a love for truth, 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would submit ourselves unto it daily, that we would give ourselves wholly and completely unto it, that we would be persuaded that the word of God is true altogether, that it is to be taken literally, that it is the very word of truth, our ultimate authority for all things in our lives. Make us apt to teach. Make us, Lord Jesus, uh, make us to become as the oracle of God to those around us. I pray in Jesus' name that the word of God would be hid in our hearts, that we would embrace it, that we would know it, that we would love it, that we would practice it, submit ourselves unto it, teach it to others. I pray, Lord, that as we do, you would confirm your word with signs following. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. feel strongly about the Word of God, folks. I feel very strongly about it. It's not, it's not something that we should play with. It's not something that we should take lightly. There are people around the world who would give a lot, who would give everything. They could simply hold a Bible in their hands. That individual that Sister Shepherd mentioned couldn't read the Word of God. We in the United States, it would be very easy for us to take it for granted. It's everywhere. I can go to any bookstore and buy 20 of them. (coughs) Download it for free on the Internet. But as, as easy as it is to obtain in the United States, there is a dearth of it. People don't know it. People don't read it. I love God's Word. I am so thankful that He he gave truth to me. When I didn't have truth, He gave it to me. He let me see it. He took the blindness from off of my eyes. I'm so thankful. So thankful. Amen. Moving into our communion service. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 30. Well, your passage to a lot of us. The Bible states this, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. 
Amen. In Exodus chapter 12, we see God instituting something he calls the Passover amongst the children of Israel. This would be the last worst plague upon the nation of Egypt and upon the children of Israel, too, if they didn't obey. In releasing the death angel, this would be God's final judgment upon the nation of Egypt. Anyone, Egyptian or Israelite, who would in faith obey the command of God in applying the blood upon the doorposts and upon the lintel would be saved. The death angel would pass them by. They would be spared. Jumping all the way to Matthew 26, we see Jesus explaining what the Passover points to. He reveals to us what the Passover pointed to the entire time. It pointed to Jesus Christ. It pointed to the Messiah. That perfect spotless lamb who would be slain for us. Matthew 26, 17 says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? So we know here we're speaking about the Passover that they're celebrating. Jumping to verse 26, says this, As they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The Lord Jesus Christ had come to institute a new covenant, a new covenant that would apply to Jew and Gentile alike. And in this new covenant, a lot of types and shadows found completion, found fulfillment. The shadow giving away to the type. Amen. When they would would celebrate the Passover, when they would slay the lamb, prepare it, roast the flesh, eat it, that was all pointing to something to come. And Jesus here in Matthew 26 is letting us know exactly what it means, what it pointed to. This is my body. This is my blood. Amen. After his ascension and after the church started moving forward, a church was started in Corinth. And if you read through 1 Corinthians, there was more than one problem going on at the church at Corinth at this point in time. We see the apostle rebuking the church for several things. One of them was the profane way that they handled the Lord's Supper. They were getting full. They were even getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They had missed the whole purpose of it. The whole purpose of partaking of the Lord's Supper. We see in two statements. In remembrance of me, and ye do sue the Lord's death till he come. This do in remembrance of me. To remember what Jesus Christ did. To remember who he was. To remember what he did for us at Calvary. 
that his blood was shed, that his body was broken. Why? For you. For me. Every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, every time we have a communion service, we need to remember, in remembrance of me, this is what Jesus did for me. You do show the Lord's death till he come. Without getting into too detailed a treatise on sin and death, sin came first, then death. Death is the result of sin. That's why Jesus had to die. That's the ultimate penalty for sin. Death. Jesus died for us. In partaking of the Lord's Supper, we remember that. That he died for me. He died for you. So before we come receive the tokens of communion. Let's all stand. And let's pray. This is a holy, solemn time. Let's examine ourselves. Let's let the Lord examine us. Lord Jesus, as we remember your death, burial, and resurrection, as we remember your broken body, your spilt blood, we remember why. I remember why. Because I needed a Savior. And you saved me. Your body was broken and your blood was spilt in my place. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place in judgment. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. Because you did, I have the hope of everlasting life with you. But it required death. My sin required death. That was the penalty of it. Thank you, Jesus. Examine us, I pray. We repent of any sin. Purge us, cleanse us, I pray. Help us to enter this place worthily. Help us to enter this place solemnly. Understanding what it is we're doing, that we are remembering, and that we are showing your death till you come. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done at Calvary. We remember you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Shepherd, you come, please. Hospitality director is going to help us tonight.
as they come and those out, please. <coughs> those that would, please come. Reading again from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Go ahead and eat. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink. Let's pray. We worship you. We worship you, thou most high God. serve an awesome God, church. 
We serve a glorious God. He took our just punishment himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am so thankful for Jesus. I am so thankful for everything he's done for me. Everything he's doing for me. Everything he has yet to do in me. As Christians, we have an awesome hope. I can't imagine life without Jesus Christ. I just can't. I can't imagine having to plod through situations all on my own, not knowing what the future holds. Jesus is my Savior, but He's also my friend, He's also my Father. My Lord and my God, thank you. He's my everything. We are the apple of his eye. You are who he thinks about every day. Isn't that amazing? Amen. 2023 is done in a few hours. 2024 is soon to be upon us. Out with the old, in with the new. Amen. Time of renewal, a time of hope, and for Christians, rightly so. All we should be experiencing is hope and faith and peace and joy. Amen. Why? Because of the God that we serve. Because of the God that we serve. Amen. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that you've met with us here this evening. I'm so thankful for everything that you've done for us this year. I'm so very thankful for all that you have in store for us this following year. We look forward with hope and with faith and with expectancy to the Lord our God that you will do great and mighty things that we know not, that you will do exceeding good and wonderful things, things too high for us, things that we can't even imagine. We look forward to seeing them, experiencing them. We look forward to being in the middle of what you're wanting to do. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We give you the glory and we give you the honor. We worship and we praise you for what you're going to do this year. Bless your people, I pray. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. Happy New Year. Thank you so very much.